Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. You are about to listen to an original episode of Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of upcoming shows, which will be available for download every Monday, or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. After you finish the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe to it, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it sucks. Thank you for your support, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. I am broadcasting to you, if you can call it that, on New Year's Eve. That's right. I am in my office alone on New Year's Eve, looking out at the city and the lights and the buildings, probably looking out (laughs) at many of you off in the distance, partying, having a great time, ringing in the new year, celebrating as I sit here in this quiet, empty office alone. And I ask myself as I sit here, why? Why am I sitting here alone? Because I really have a a different kind of answer for you today. First of all, before I get started, I just want to say that this episode is going to be really, really special and great. This is the second part of the best of industry standard for 2014. And you are about to hear 25 of the most respected people in the industry give you their words of wisdom on how to get from humble beginnings or wherever you are to the highest levels. 
and I was really honored that they all sat down with me, gave me their time, and I want to pass it on to all of you. And so I also want to say as we start the new year, 2015, that I am really, really grateful, so grateful to all of you for all the support. It's just truly amazing to go places and have people stop you and 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 hug you, some who you don't know, and let me know what an impact a lot of the guests have had on their lives and their careers. And that that just really means so much to me because that's all that I really wanted from this. I I really truly believe that. And sometimes you got to look in the mirror and ask yourself why you do certain things and what's the point of doing them. And are you looking for recognition or are you looking for something to fulfill yourself? And I have looked in the mirror and I'm looking in the glass reflection of these windows at myself and I I really don't know the answer. I truly believe that I started this and I'm doing it for one singular reason and that is to be of some kind of service to the people that might need some help or might need some inspiration or might need something to get them through the day or figure out where they are in their lives or their careers and and possibly be instrumental in helping them figure out how to get where they want to go. And what I found from this podcast is it doesn't matter if somebody's just starting or somebody is a multimillionaire in the business and is very successful. The thing is, as I sit here, what I realize is, you know, I look around this office and I love this office. I really do. And and it's comfortable and it's home to me. It's about the size of maybe, I don't know, a one-bedroom apartment in New York City, but it feels like home to me. And I really, really am comfortable here. And as I talk to all of you today, I think about the certain times in my life where I've been in an office like this working alone And thinking to myself, why am I doing this? Why am I spending this time? Why aren't I out with the people who I love or friends and family who care about me or possible relationships who would love to spend more time with me but because of the obstacles in my life and the things that are going on in it. I can't seem to dedicate the amount of time necessary to 
create a fulfilling situation for those people. And sometimes I always preach in these podcasts to work hard and and do whatever you can do to get to the next level. But I also want to share with you all that sometimes there's a balance. And I think as I look at my reflection in the glass of these windows, I realize that probably tonight is not a good example of me finding the balance. Tonight is an example of me having an obsession to making sure that I deliver on the promise of having these podcasts out to all of you in a manner where I'm proud of them. And I work very, very diligently to make sure that they are in a way where you can listen to them and and you feel like you got something out of them and that they represent some form of quality in terms of the questions to the guests and also subsequently their answers. And I'm not saying that's right and I'm not saying it's wrong. And honestly, as I sit here tonight on New Year's Eve and I think about people that I would want to be with in New York City and here in Los Angeles and Arizona and other places around the country and the world, I realize that I am obsessed with working and I have an affinity to work longer hours and take more time in the office than probably I should. And I probably don't dedicate as much time to my personal life and my personal well-being as I should. And I guess I'm admitting that to myself and to you. And obviously in the new year as is a time right now for reflection hopefully I'll find a better balance and as I sit here alone I think about a story that happened to me in my New York office about 15 or 20 years ago and I don't know how you are in your business and your life, but I've always been the kind of person who always wanted to push myself to the limit. And I would always try to get things in a way where I sort of was acting above my pay grade. When I started in New York, I rented an office at 57th and Broadway because that's where I perceived to be where all the action was. And I had a great office at 1776 Broadway across from the old Coliseum Books and around the corner from the Hard Rock Cafe building. And it was expensive. I was probably crazy for doing it 
but I wanted to tell myself and force myself and push myself to make enough money to move to the next level. And I felt that if I came into New York and I worked out of my apartment or some shitty office space downtown, I just wouldn't garner the attention or the respect that maybe I wanted in the town. And as they say, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But there were many times during those days in New York where I just couldn't seem to make enough money to make ends meet. And, but I really wanted to get to the next level. And I said to myself, when I came to New York from Boston, that I was going to figure out a way to make it. And the instigator of me going to New York which I've probably alluded to a few times, was a tragedy that happened to me when I was younger and married and made me need to move away because I just needed a change. I needed to change the pattern because I wasn't going to get anywhere where I was in Boston, especially after dealing with what I was dealing with. I remember I drove my 67 Camaro all the way to New York, got off at the 79th Street Boat Basin exit, drove as far as I could until I hit 72nd or something in Broadway. There was a cafe restaurant. I parked my car in front. I went to the payphone, looked in the yellow pages for real estate agents, called them from the payphone. One of them called back, showed me three apartments, and I took the first one I saw at 82nd Street in Central Park. It was probably about half the size of my office here. It was a studio loft and $935 a month, first, last, and security, and for $2,700 or $2,900 or whatever it was, I was living in New York. I didn't have a job there. I didn't have anything. But soon after, I figured out a way to navigate, and I got into a position where I got the Boston Comedy Club. Then I got into a position where I negotiated a lease at 57th and Broadway with barely anything. And I also had a goal for myself that I wanted to own an apartment by the time I was 30. And which made it very difficult considering I had about $2,000 in the bank after putting $2,900 or so on the apartment and working out a deal to open the comedy club in Greenwich Village and getting the office space, which was also really expensive. Probably was about three thousand dollars a month back then but i had made money in the comedy club that i worked at in boston and but i'd spent it all on those things but i said i need to get an apartment in new york because i'm never going to get anywhere unless i own something i have to own something and i found an apartment at lincoln towers at 66th street and west end avenue 
and I loved it. It was in a complex of like eight 30 story buildings. And I met with them and I saw an apartment I liked with a balcony overlooking the city. Again, a studio apartment, about 650 to 700 square feet on the 26th floor, overlooking everything in the city. Loved it. The, it was $130,000. And back then, all you needed to do was put 10% down. You didn't have to have great credit. And all I needed was $13,000, but I didn't have $13,000. And I just... I knew I needed to get it though. And I was scrambling to figure out how to get it. And she told me she'd call me if it went on sale. And sure enough, it went on sale. She knocked it down to $119,000. And I still needed $11,900. And I only had about $2,000 in the bank. And I just, I remember being alone in my office and. I got the mail, which would drop through the slot of this door in the office. And in this magazine was an ad for the American Express Platinum Card, which it said came with a $10,000 line of credit checkbook. My eyes lit up. I was thinking to myself, is this divine intervention can this really happen should i really apply for this card but back then you didn't have to have great credit for anything so i applied for the american express platinum card put a rush on it and sure enough three days later in a federal express pack i got my american express platinum card and I got a checkbook with a $10,000 line of credit. I took a taxi to Lincoln Towers, met with a real estate agent, said I'm ready to buy the apartment. And she said, that's great. She let me fill out the paperwork and apply for it. And I put down... $11,900, which was a $10,000 check from the American Express card and $1,900 out of my bank account. And unbelievably, very soon after, I found out they had bought my first apartment with an American Express card. Unbelievable. And that let me know, even though I was alone, I was alone in my apartment, I was essentially alone in my office, and I was alone in New York City. But I knew that if I could work hard and create the illusion that I was doing well and put pressure on myself to do better, that I would get to the next level quicker. And that's what I did. I didn't ever get anything that was lower than what I could do. I always got 
into a position where I overextended myself to push myself to do better things and to try to be more successful. And as I sit in my office here alone on New Year's Eve with about an hour to go before it all goes down in Los Angeles, I guess my message to you is this. It's lonely when you run your own business. It's lonely when you make a commitment to not take a check from anybody else above you. It requires a lot of patience, a lot of hard work, a lot of late nights. It requires a lot of sacrifices that take you away from your family and your friends and potential relationships of people who want to give everything of themselves to you and you just struggle to figure out a way to make it work. But in the end, I know there's a balance and I know all of you out there can figure out the balance. I guess I'm man enough right now to admit that at my stage of the game, in the fall of my life, I haven't quite figured out the balance yet. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to. And that doesn't mean that in 2015, I'm not going to be able to change the pattern. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be able to figure out all the variables in my life that I feel like I have no control over. What it means is that I can also work harder at finding solutions, not just for my business and how to run it more efficiently so I can utilize more time to have a more satisfying life. Because let me tell you something, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm not going to remember a moment that I spent alone in my office. I'm going to remember the moments I spent with the people that I love and who have figured out a way to love me. And so as the old year disappears and the new year emerges... I wish you the best that life has to offer. And I know if you really take the time to figure it out, you'll find your balance, as I hope to find mine. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, 
one-on-one coaching with me and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Here we go in three, two. They ain't one at a time in here. We're mass communicating. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. Infections caused by jacuzzi water. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. Okay, here we go. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! People on Twitter have been asking for Barry Katz to come back a lot. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. Here we go. You fucking firing me up, Katz. Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Undeniable. Creating holy shit moments. I love this man. Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz, as I sit here alone, New Year's Eve, counting down the hits. Well, not exactly, but uh, counting down 25 of the most inspirational people you could ever be able to sit in a room with or listen to their advice from the entertainment business and how it applies to all forms of life. This is the 2014 Industry Standard Best of Show, part two of two. And you're really going to enjoy it a lot. I've really uh, been able to cull the best words of wisdom from all of these people. And... It's really, really fun and special and inspirational. And I really, really hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. So without further ado, let's get started. I figure the best way to open up this part two is with a guy who really, really, he just, uh, there's just something about this guy that's so much fun and unique and special and let me tell you a little bit about phil rosenthal he is best known as the creators of one of the greatest sitcoms that we know of of our generation he's the creator writer and executive producer of everybody loves raymond he was born in queens new york and he started off as an actor before shifting his focus to writing and producing on successful shows like Coach. He's also the author of the best-selling book, You're Lucky, You're Funny, How Life Becomes a Sitcom, and co-wrote the 9-11 telethon America, A Tribute to Heroes, which aired on all four networks and won a Peabody Award. I know you're going to love this guy as much as I do. Let's hear from Phil Rosenthal. Podcasts are not the way. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you the best advice I ever got. 
<laughs> the best advice I ever got from anybody, and if you've heard me on these Fakakta shows, you've heard you this from me. You mean this isn't your first one? Shh. Okay. Let's pretend it is. And then I never have to do another. Um, Ed Weinberger, a great... Of course, he worked on all showrunner. Actually, uh, the Cosby Show and and uh, Mary and Taxi and these were all shows that he worked on, and and some of them he co-created. And I worked for him early on, and he said this: "Do the show you want to do, because in the end, they're going to cancel you anyway." This is great advice for life. We all get canceled one day. So do the show you want to do. My next guest, David Giannolari, has had a career that spanned almost three decades and has been a high-level studio executive, a network president, and a co-founder of a successful production company. He started his career at Fox, moved on to be hired by Les Moonves at Lorimar Warner Brothers, and became the president of the WB Network co-CEO of his own company, Greenblatt Giannolari, with, of course, Robert Greenblatt, who's now the president of NBC, and most recently was the head of programming at MTV. Now he has an overall deal with his former partner, Greenblatt. Relationships, everybody. If you know anything about this guy, he's best known for developing some of the most incredible hits in television like Hang with Mr. Cooper, The Hughleys, The Jamie Foxx Show, Living Single, Six Feet Under, Awkward, Supernatural, and one of the biggest shows in the history of television, Friends. Please welcome David Janilari. First and foremost, I really believe you have to really want to be in this business. You have to want it so much more than almost anything because there's too many people that want to be in it. There's too many people that want to create and be artists. There's too, too many people that want to be executives and be part of the business. Then there are jobs, right? Or then there are opportunities. So it has to be, come from a really passionate place first and foremost. And secondly, I think you have to be really dedicated and patient because it doesn't happen Careers don't do not happen overnight. Um, you know, many of these comedians we've talked about over the the last hour or so, you know, have had worked doing stand up on the road for years and years and years, kind of honing their voice and their and their talent. Um, an executive, I think, takes a while to learn how to be an executive and how to, how to, you know, talk the talk and, and go through the procedures and the, and the process. Um, so you have to have patience, you have to have passion and patience and you have to just have conviction of what you think is, is good, is, is, is tasteful. Um, one boss of mine once said to me, you're only paid for your opinions and this entire business is subjective. So have them and express them because that's what your value is, is that is, can you identify something that's really good or can you generate something that has true connective kind of relatable and, 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 um, 
poignant kind of connection with the audience. My next guest on the podcast is Andrew Panay of Panay Films. And Andrew is an incredibly highly accredited producer who was formerly one of the three partners at Tapestry Films after starting as an intern at the Beverly Hills-based motion picture finance and production company. He's known for producing movies that are really, really big hits. A lot of them that he's done are movies that he came up with the concept or was the driving force behind them. He's probably best known for producing the smash hit Wedding Crashers starring Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, which has grossed over $200 million domestically. But other films that Andrew produced are National Lampoon's Van Wilder, Pay It Forward starring Kevin Spacey, Helen Hunt, and Jay Moore. And his latest venture is the groundbreaking and innovative movie that I loved and my kids loved, Earth to Echo. I know you're going to really enjoy him. Andrew Panay. Well, I think today's a lot different than it was when we were coming through the ranks. But there's two ways I would go about it. Uh, Number one, get in the system. Get into an internship. Get an assistant job. Don't be afraid to get coffee. We all did it. Do it with enthusiasm and know that you're lucky to be getting coffee for Barry Katz. You're lucky to be getting, you're lucky because you're around people that have built something from nothing and you can learn so much. So number one, get into the system and never complain about that. It's a, it's an honor. And it's very hard to look at it like that when you're not making that much money and you're getting coffee. But the truth of the matter is you're around art and creative stuff that's happening per second that most people in the world will never get to see movies that came from somebody who just was walking the halls one day and decided they were going to create whatever movie it is or whatever artist you found or so that one I'd say get in the system Two, start shooting your own stuff. It's a different time than when we were growing up. The access is incredible. You have the Canon, which we have here. You have the different digitals. Um, you have an iPhone, you have the Nokia phone. You can do, you have the Microsoft surface, which is my brother's product. Use a surface. You can cut on a surface. You can shoot on a surface. You can do whatever you want out there to create your own movies and get it out virally within two seconds. It can hit the world, you know, and I think that so many people are, you know, spending time, um, outside of doing those two things. I think those are the only ways get in the system in the farm system, so to speak, there's single a double a triple a go through the ranks and, and go through it. And while you're doing that study and learn, to grow up with your colleagues like you and I doing employee of the month, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago. Now we're colleagues. You call me up. I'll do anything for you. We did a movie together. We bled together. We had some weird, weird times together, hard times together, awesome times together, dealing with our actors, trying to work things out together, bonding over that. Same thing as young uh, talent. And that's in this room. It's like bond with these people bond with your, so when you get into hard times or you need, you want me to come in and interview, it wasn't even a question. I responded with when does he want me? It's not, you know what it's not, it's about the relationships, but you got to get in the farm system. And that would be my advice. My next guest I've known most of my career and I love him. He's an incredible stand-up comedian from New York city. And you might know him best 
for his work on the Opie and Anthony show for many, many years, which I believe the show is now called Opie with Jim Norton, who was my guest and a really, really special, special moment uh, and moments that I had in Montreal with him when I went up there this summer. And if you don't know Jim, it's highly doubtful. But he's done many, many appearances in this business. He's had hour specials. He's been on The Late Show with David Letterman, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Chelsea Lately, Inside Amy Schumer, and Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. He's probably one of the most respected stand-up comedians in the country and the world. And his advice comes from a deeply inspirational and dark place. And it comes alive in a positive way. Jim Norton. Don't be lazy, first and foremost. Uh, There's nothing worse than a lazy performer. You have to be there. Always work at it. And uh, don't self-sabotage. That's the temptation, too, is because we're afraid. And I don't want to be realized as a fraud that I want to run away and hide. So I look for things to go wrong so I can run away and hide because that removes the risk of failing. So don't self-destruct. Like with this thing we spoke about earlier, I didn't self-destruct. I really did think it through. Anytime you go through something that's annoying, you think it through, or you, you, you get annoyed. But I didn't self-destruct. I didn't call the executive and yell at him. I thought about it. I talked it over with my manager. I actually talked it through with you and you made uh, good sense. And then I made sense to myself when I talked about it. And I'm like, fuck, this guy is looking out for me. He's not a dick. Like, think things through before you open your big fucking mouth. It doesn't mean you're not being true to yourself because you actually act like a professional and not a petulant child. So don't be lazy and don't self-destruct. The next person up on Industry Standards Best of 2014 Part 2 is Nikki Weinstock. And he is just a really fascinating man. He cut his teeth writing speeches for the president of News Corp, Rupert Murdoch, running development for the chairman of Fox, Peter Chernin and running Judd Apatow's company while developing some of the most amazingly powerful and successful comedies that we've seen in a long time, including Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Pineapple Express, Step Brothers, Get Him to the Greek, and, of course, Bridesmaids. Presently, he is the president of Invention Studios, a film and TV production company currently developing more than a dozen movies at 20th Century Fox, New Regency, CBS Films, Lionsgate, and Deb Bar Mercury's 1090 TV division. You're really going to like this guy. Nikki Weinstock. It took me a while to learn this. I felt a real pressure um, to follow whatever rules were laid out in each particular world that I've bounced around in, because when you land there, you're greeted by the rules. And it doesn't matter if you're a, at a production company or you're a playwright on the Lower East Side or whatever, you, you're very aware of, am I ticking the boxes. There's a myth out there that if you tick the boxes, you will get ahead. If you answer these notes, your show will get on the air, whatever it is. I guess what I've learned is, um, 
there really are no rules, uh, much more so than is advertised, that the biggest shows that become hits are shows despite the fact that they go against conventions. Uh, you know, the best writers out there wrote the thing that their agent never would advise um, and somehow got it. And, I, and it's very true in the executive world. Uh, I really think there's a very polite way. You know, the dumb way is to say, fuck the rules. I'm not listening to any of you people and shout people down. That's a really stupid way to go about it. There's a smart way to go about it where you are polite, you are a gentle person about it, and you find an adult way to get along with people, be respectful of people, and really listen to your own rules more than you listen to them, and really try some radical shit every time you can. And you'd be surprised. That is, ironically, the most sensible, rational way to go. My next guest, Susela Makos is the executive vice president of comedy programming and development for the Fox Broadcasting Company. As head of comedy development at Fox, her responsibilities are for overseeing all of the network's half-hour current programming and comedy development in both live action and animation. In this role, she has cultivated many live action and animated comedies for the network, including New Girl, Raising Hope, Bob's Burgers, and The Mindy Project. She developed last year's Seth MacFarlane-produced sitcom Dads and the critically acclaimed Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which won a Golden Globe Award for the Best Comedy Series. I know you're going to really, really have a fascinating take on her advice and when it came to talking about how to pitch a show, if you're pitching any television show or any kind of concept to your company anywhere in the world, you got to listen to the podcast and hear her advice. It's truly, truly special. And she's somebody who in her history has been a network executive covering comedies such as Family Guy, Arrested Development, The Bernie Mac Show, Malcolm in the Middle, as well as dramas like Prison Break and Boston Public. This woman knows what great content is. She knows how you need to deliver that great content, and she knows how to sell it. And she also has some great words of wisdom. Listen up to Susanna Makos. Show up every day and you have to do the work. Read everything. Nothing drives me crazy more than writers who don't read other people's scripts or read pilots. Like read everything and show up every day and do the work. I've just shown up every day. That's It's really not super. I read everything. I have a point of view and I show up. That's all you got to do. I think if you're a comic, you want to be a com comic actor, you should know every comic actor you should know what's going on. I think you should come to things like this in Montreal. I think be a part of the community. The next person up on the docket at Industry Standard is one of Canada's most dominating people in the comedy business. He's best known as the CEO and founder of Yuck Yucks with over 15 comedy clubs across Canada making him the most dominant comedy entrepreneur in the country. He's also the founder and artistic director for the Humber College Comedy Program and a founding member of the Canadian Comedy Awards. 
in the past. He's acted as the executive producer for the talk show Late Night with Joan Rivers and Kenny and Spenny, among others, and is the author and columnist who has worked in radio as the program director for Laugh Attack on XM Canada. In 2014, Breslin was named one of the 180 most influential people ever to be born and raised in Toronto. Never a shortage for words. Please welcome Mark Breslin. I think originality is the most important thing of all. Having your own voice and following your own voice is the most important thing of all. When I think of the comics that I hire. And let's say I'm doing a showcase in Toronto or anywhere for that matter. And I see 25 comics on and they're all funny. Everybody's funny now. Everybody's got a great 10 minutes. But who has a 10 minutes that takes me to a place that I've never been to before? Who's got a 10 minutes where I'm thinking, I want to be friends with this person. I want to listen to them. I want to go to a dinner party with this person. That's the person I'm looking for. So to me, it's all about originality. It's all about the voice. Do you have an original voice and do you have anything to say? And to, to that note, don't hang out with other comics. Don't go to see a lot of comedy. You don't learn things about comedy by going to see comedy. Go to theater. Go to an art gallery listen to a lot of music. That's where your creative juice should come from. You'll learn how to be a comic. You'll learn the technical stuff if you just keep practicing. But the stuff that's inside your heart has to come from somewhere completely different. And it doesn't come from sitting in a comedy club, watching a bunch of comics and imitating them. My next guest was really fantastic. And it was the first podcast I ever did live and I did it in Montreal, and they were very gracious. All the people there who run the festival, Paul Ronka, Bruce Hills, to bring me up there. And I was really grateful that they did. It was such an honor to to be up there this past year with so many great people and to be able to share that experience with uh, the audience that listens to Industry Standard. And my first live podcast was with a guy that I really wanted to have on the show for a long, long time. And I kept pestering him and sort of breaking into his offices at Comedy Central and just walking through the hallways randomly until I noticed an opening and would just walk into his office before his assistant could stop me and just ask him to do it over and over again and call him and email him and and thankfully uh the persistence paid off because uh one of the people that he works really closely with Doug Herzog had done the first podcast I ever uh released and I knew Kent would be a guy that would be equal to the task and present a point of view that was very rare for us in the entertainment business that related to all kinds of businesses across the landscape. For those of you who don't know, Kent is the president of content development and original programming at Comedy Central. And this is actually a second stint of the network and he oversees the development and production of all original content produced by the number one brand in comedy, Comedy Central. The things that he's been involved in 
are far-reaching and incredibly, incredibly successful, including groundbreaking series like Workaholics, Key and Peel, Inside Amy Schumer, Kroll Show, Brickberry, Nathan For You, Drunk History, and At Midnight. He also oversees specials like Night of Too Many Stars and the Emmy-nominated Comedy Central Roasts. I know you're going to really, really get a lot out of what he has to say, as I did and the audience there in Montreal. Kent Alterman. Well, you know, I don't know if I'm anything to aspire to. I feel like I'm a reflection of someone who never had a career plan. I, I, and I think what worked, what has worked for me is just being open, like driven and ambitious and working hard and all the rest. But, uh, you know, I also feel like I'm just, uh, and maybe I'm motivated by this, feel like I've never achieved my potential. Um, and, you know, and that's part of what never had a career path, just one opportunity leads to the next. So I guess my advice in some ways is not different for the artist, you know, or the executive. Um, I think that, uh, you know, of course, the more you can focus yourself, the better. But ultimately, I think the no experience is invalid and every experience leads to the next one. And I think just remaining open and I, and, and true to yourself, it sounds very cliche, but I think that there's very few things that cannot be taken away from a, another human. Uh, and one of them is your identity and your point of view. And I think that whether it's someone who wants to be a, a development executive or a comedian or an actor or a writer or whatever, the most, the, the most potent thing you have is your point of view. Hopefully it's, it's worthwhile and, and it's going to be of interest to other people. But I would tell people never tell other people what you think they want to hear. You really got to tell them what you believe because no one does know anything as the Goldman book was, you know, no one knows nothing. It's absolutely true. Everything is subjective and there's so many different factors that go into things working or not working that your, your currency is your point of view. My next guest up, Adam Carolla, is one of the most powerful comedians in the business in terms of all sorts of media that he's involved with. If you don't know him, I don't know how that's possible because he is an extraordinary radio and television host, comedian, actor, and three-time New York Times best-selling author. You might recognize him most as the co-creator and the host and co-host of Loveline with Dr. Drew Pinsky, or the co-creator and co-host of the unbelievably funny series, The Man Show. But most importantly, you definitely know him as the host of the Adam Carolla podcast, which holds the Guinness Book of World Records most downloaded podcast title. Please welcome Adam Carolla. You know, as Dr. Drew always says, reality on reality's terms. I mean, if you're 50 and nothing's hit, maybe you're not that good. So be realistic with yourself. You know, if you're like, I, you may not be a lead 
vocalist or lead guitar player. You may have to pick up the tambourine and stand behind the three black chicks that are doing the harmony. That you're, Stop banging your head trying to be the lead guitar player or the front man. You know what I mean? If it ain't happening. But there still may be room on stage for you, and you may find a place in the band, and you may find it very satisfying. So kind of reality on reality's terms, you know? If it, if it ain't happening, and it didn't happen yet, it may not happen, but let's find another place on stage for you doing something that's more suited for you. This thing of, I've got to do this. Uh, you don't have to do anything. My next guest is a really, really great man, Dan Pasternak. He's a veteran TV producer and high-level creative executive who recently joined the prestigious independent production company, Big Beach Films, which produced great movies like Little Miss Sunshine, Our Idiot Brother, and Sunshine Cleaning. He was brought there to set up and head up a new television division called Big Beach TV. Uh, you might know Dan better as the vice president of development and production for IFC and he spent four and a half years there. And one of the biggest claims to fame that he has there is that he was the guy who shepherded the breakout, critically acclaimed hit series, Portlandia. From web series to Emmy, Peabody, and Writers Guild award-winning television sensation. Please welcome a really special man. Dan Pasternak. I'll just say what worked for me, which is stay pure and stay uncynical. If there's something you want to do, just continue to pursue it. If you get discouraged, you have to push past it. You know, longevity and success, to whatever extent I've had longevity or success, those aren't things that happen by accident. You know, um, there will be periods of time where like you have a little success and momentum can kind of pull you forward, but sustaining that momentum is up to you. And when you lose that momentum, you know, a little bit or even completely, then self propulsion is the thing that's going to get you forward. And you have to stay pure to who you want to be as a human being and as a creative person. And you have to stay pure to what you want. And I just try and remain really, really uncynical. And I try and stay about the work. And I, you know, I try to always be really respectful of the people I work with because it is an honor to work with some of the people you work with. And if you meet people who believe differently than you and who have different values or different sort of creative instincts, you know, you have to respect that. And you have to understand that nobody is, is, is out there with the goal of fucking you. They're out there with the goal of furthering themselves. I think. They're good people, there's bad people everywhere. Everywhere. Not just this business. Everywhere. And you just don't let that throw you. I, I just think of myself as a guy on a bike. And it's just, you just keep your head down. You pick your head up. It's like, tree branch. Oh, you know? 
Keep your head down. Stay focused. What's your goal? What's your purpose? Why are you getting up in the morning to do what you do? So stay pure and stay uncynical. That's that's what works for me. Russell Peters began performing stand-up comedy in Toronto in 1989 in little comedy clubs. In 2007, he came back to headline two sold-out shows at the Air Canada Centre where they play hockey and basketball. He ended up selling over 30,000 tickets nationally over that two-day sales period. Additionally, he broke UK comedy sales records at London's O2 Arena, where he sold over 16,000 tickets to his show in 2009, and he performed the largest stand-up comedy show in Australian history in 2010 with an audience of just under 14,000 people. Lastly, he shattered attendance records for a single stand-up comedy show at the Singapore Indoor Stadium. This guy is a force of nature and arguably is probably the most popular comedian in the world. And his advice was invaluable. Russell Peters. My advice is always do it for the love of what you do. Do it for the fact that you know you're not working for somebody else. Do it thinking about how much worse your life could be. And I think a lot of people focus on what they don't have when they should be focusing on what they do have. And that kind of leads back to when you say, why don't I do movies? Well, I could focus on what I don't have, or I could put all my effort into what I do have. <laughs> um, do what you do it because it feels right. Do it because you would be doing it uh, with or without success. You just love doing it. My next guest on the industry standard best of 2014 part two show is Tom Hertz. And I've known Tom for a long, long time. He's an Emmy award winning writer and showrunner and one of the most respected executive producers in the entertainment business. He has worked with some of the most groundbreaking artists of our generation, making his mark with Jon Stewart on the Jon Stewart show, Kevin James on the King of Queens, Gary Shandling on the Larry Sanders show, Dennis Miller on Dennis Miller Live. He's worked with Charlie Sheen and Michael J. Fox on Spin City. But most importantly, he created the hit television show for CBS, Rules of Engagement, starring David Spade, which reached the rare 100-episode status in 2002. I know you're going to like what he has to say. Tom Hertz. Like, I, I don't really know how I did it even. I don't know what to tell that kid, but I would say just keep writing, keep working, never say no to any job or any gig. And just always try to absorb, uh, you know, knowledge, look at people, look at people who have the, the next job up the rung from where you are and try to figure out how, how they got that and what you have to do. You know, don't, don't expect anyone to hand you anything and just keep working hard. All right. Next up is a man who I have a long, long history with, and I've always admired him and respected him so much. And I'm talking about David Kissinger who is presently the president of Conoco Productions, which is Conan O'Brien's production company. And he has produced a plethora of shows for them, including Andy Barker, P.I., Outlaw on NBC, 
Eagle Heart on Adult Swim, Super Fun Night for ABC, as well as the Pete Holmes Show and Dion's Black Box for TBS. Prior to joining Conan's company, he was the president of NBC Universal Television Studio USA, where he developed some of the most acclaimed Emmy-nominated and winning shows on TV, including House, The Office, Monk, Battlestar Galactica, Law and Order Special Victims Unit, and Law and Order Criminal Intent. Prior to that, Kissinger was a senior VP for Touchstone Television, where he oversaw the development and production of Ellen, Boy Meets Girl, and Home Improvement. You are going to really, really enjoy David Kissinger. Well, in terms of giving advice to artists, I would say if they need advice from me, they're in big trouble. <laughs> There's a big distinction. I would say, you know, truly the the talented people who have a burning desire to perform or write need no advice from the likes of me. That's I would be very presumptuous to even offer advice for executives. I think the one perspective I have that I like to try to offer is one of the best things an executive can do is to have self-restraint. I always think there should be a Hippocratic oath for executives. You know, the doctor's oath first do no harm because one of the greatest services you can provide as an executive is to get out of the way of true talent. And that is harder to do than it seems because everybody thinks they have a contribution to make. And often you do, but to know when to uh, get out of the way, even when it's against your own instincts uh, can be an incredibly valuable gift to talent. My next guest had a really interesting take on the business. Her name is Tracy Christian, and she started her career at an agency called PSA, which is a bi-coastal boutique talent agency with a focus on classically trained character actors like William H. Macy and Joe Montaigne. At that agency, she began to package features for musical talents like Busta Rhymes, Nelly, and Fat Joe. In addition to supporting the agency's roster of actors, Christian moved on to the Don Buckwald Agency after that, where she represented future Oscar winners Octavia Spencer, Melissa Leo, and Monique. Four years ago, she opened a new agency, TSA, with her business partner, Jed Root, and together they've had more than 15 shows they've put on the air and have a list of Hollywood actors that have worked on almost every great show on television, including Boardwalk Empire, House of Cards, and Game of Thrones. I know you're really going to enjoy Tracy Christian. On the business side, I would say uh, never be afraid to ask questions. You know, um, work hard. Even more, work hard than work smart. You'll figure out how to work smart later. But don't be afraid to do anything and everything. You know, really invest in your craft. 
and, uh, and don't be afraid to be collaborative. You know, having most of my career has been spent at smaller places and I have never been afraid to pick up the phone and call anyone and everyone. Um, and, and I think that's been a huge strength. That's why I have the relationships that I do. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, don't let fear guide your career or your life. Um, and that feelings aren't facts. My next guest I've known for probably, my God, probably 25 years. Carol Leifer is a four-time Emmy nominee for her writing on such shows as Seinfeld, Modern Family, Saturday Night Live, The Larry Sanders Show, and seven Academy Awards telecasts. She has starred in five of her own comedy specials, which have aired on Showtime, HBO, and Comedy Central. Throughout her career, she's worked very closely with several of the greatest comedy minds of our generation, including Steve Martin, Gary Shandling, Lorne Michaels, Jerry Seinfeld, and Larry David. She's had several best-selling books, and her latest book is entitled How to Succeed in Business Without Really Crying, part memoir, part guide to life featuring an incredibly funny collection of essays chronicling her three-decade journey through show business and also offering valuable lessons for women and men in any profession. I always love what Carol Leifer has to say. Well, I think when you have a dream, whether that's show business or any other dream, I think it's two things are really important. I think for the show business part, especially for comedy, being take advantage of being young, you know, because when I started as a 21 year old, you know, uh, I look back now, I don't real. I don't know where I got the balls to say, oh, I want to leave college and I want to pursue this and I'm going to transfer to another school. I mean, it's stupefying to me, but I think it's about the balls of being young. You don't really think a lot, which is great. And you should take advantage of that because the older you get, the more your life becomes in pen rather than in pencil. And you can't really adjust things as easily as you can when you're young. So take advantage of your youth. But I think the biggest thing that people should remember and whatever they want to pursue is every day you always have to be your own biggest fan. And that's the same thing. I mean, not in the way of being a big headed asshole and a conceited jerk, but if you're not your own biggest fan, who else is going to be? So the things that you want to fight for and are important to you, you have to do every day with conviction and with grace because, uh, you're the head of your own team every day. You know, nobody else is you. It has to be you. And I think of so many things that never would have happened for me if I hadn't been my own biggest supporter, because there are so many things out there ready to knock you down every single day. And if you don't say strong and true and focused and convicted, um, nothing good will ever happen. You have to start with that base. My next guest was truly a force of nature, a pile driver, a type A personality, 
that was just unstoppable on the podcast. I'm talking about Gavin Pallone, who began his career as an assistant at the agency ICM in 1985. And after becoming an agent, he joined Bauer Benedict, which became United Talent Agency, where he made partner at age 29. Yes, 29. In the mid-90s, he became a manager-producer when he partnered with Judy Hufflin to form Hufflin Pallone, which led to an executive producer role on the Emmy-nominated HBO series Curb Your Enthusiasm and the CW's Gilmore Girls. In 2001, he later formed a production company of his own called Pariah, where he produced numerous TV shows, including NBC's Revelations, HBO's Tell Me You Love Me, TBS's My Boys, and the feature films When Trumpets Fade for HBO, Drop Dead Gorgeous for New Line, Stir of Echoes for Artisan, Premium Rush, Panic Room, Secret Window, and Zombieland for Columbia as well as indie features, Conan, can't, Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, Seeing Other People, Little Manhattan, and My Super Ex-Girlfriend. He still manages one client today, Conan O'Brien, who remains, as you know, one of the most respected personalities in our business. And I assure you, Gavin Pallone has the same reputation in his. You can't stop this guy once he gets going. But you don't want to, Gavin Pallone. Don't be afraid to fail. You know, there's been so many different times where I've tried to do a lot of different things. You know, like I've acted in more things than just that. And I'm, I promise, I actually do think I'm good in action, but in other stuff, I'm so bad. But in the end, even my failing as in, in whatever endeavor, like being an actor and seeing myself on screen and thinking, ooh, I stink or whatever, it gave me, that gave me something else. So now I decided I wanted to start directing a couple of years ago. I've directed 10 episodes of TV. I'll probably be directing a few more TV shows soon. But the truth is all those experiences of acting, like even having, you know, Ted Demi or, or, or Chris Thompson in that instance or other directors I've worked with interact with me has let me think about what it's like to be the actor. And it's helped me in how I communicate with actors because I've done that. All of the stuff that I've written, a lot of the things that where I've written these magazine articles, when you get back, you know, go back and now I've done about 60, but you know, in the beginning it's like, dude, I've never done this before. And you go for it and it gives you confidence, but it also has a lot of these things that I've written are personal. So it gives me a little more perspective on me. I learn a little bit about myself. I've learned about other people because I've had to interview people or do some kind of reporting. Everything that I've gone for, whether it's succeeded or failed, has given me something. I think people are too afraid to fail. And, and so like, if you get the idea that you want to change careers, you know, and maybe there's a financial reason why you can't do it, but maybe there's not, you know, really think about it. What's, what's the downside go, what's the downside if I really try? And then what's the downside if I don't try? And often the downside of my not trying is having to live with a question. Could I have tried, could I have done that? And I think that's worse. So, you know, 
whoever you are, even if you're a guy who's in that terrible studio apartment, is in the Valley somewhere? Uh, Valley Village. It's in Valley Village. Well, I think Valley Village. Lower nice. Attleboro, Massachusetts. Something like that. You know, you're in that place. The hot plate shorted out. You, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to go down to the uh, AM, PM mini market and get one of those two hot dogs for a dollar thing. Why not? If you Grape think to yourself, you know, I want to be a writer, write that screenplay. Or I want to be a director, make a little movie with your phone or, or whatever it is you do. Or you want to change careers, take a step down and go do that or get some education to get it done. And, you know, I personally can tell you that as a producer, I, most of the things I've ever done have failed as a, as a representative of talent, you know, we're talking about, we just talked about all the people that I have that are successful. There's a lot of people I represented who weren't successful, but I believed in them and I gave it my best shot. I certainly failed in a lot of ways. I was successful as an agent, but I failed as an agent because I couldn't get out of my own way. I think uh, a lot of that could be said about my career as a producer, but I, I, it didn't weigh me down. I didn't say, Oh, I failed this time or I failed that time. I kind of just took the experience and moved on. And I think it's made me better. I was so, so happy to have my next guest on the program, Suzanne Daniels, who is presently the president of the MTV network. She is an award-winning executive who has developed and produced some of the most memorable series on television. She started her career, believe it or not, her first job was as Lorne Michaels' assistant at Saturday Night Live, and she was promoted to manager of development for Michaels Broadway Entertainment, where she helped develop the Kids in the Hall comedy series and the box office smash Wayne's World. She then went on to work at ABC and later served as vice president of comedy for Fox Television, where she shepherded their successful Thursday night comedies, which included Martin and Living Single. Daniels then became the president of the WB Network, now the CW, where she embarked on an incredible run of culture-defining hits, including Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Dawson's Creek, Felicity, Angel, Smallville, Gilmore Girls, Seventh Heaven, and Charmed. She is absolutely one of the most dynamic and unique and special people in the business. And her lineage is incredible. And you are going to really, really get something out of what she says. Well, I think I would, I've used the word passion, I think, a lot in this interview and talking about people like Kevin Williamson and Joss Whedon and J.J. Abrams and you, Barry, you're really passionate about what you do and the people you represent and the comedy business and you can tell that you love it and you're engaged in it and after all these years you are committed to it and so enjoy it and I love that and I I think... Um, you know, at the risk of sounding treacly, I would say, follow your passion, go for it, go for what you want. Um, uh, that it's hard work, that it's work to break in, that, you know, having a work ethic that where you, when you break in, where you're willing to work really hard, you know, there's, um, there's a sense, some of the research that we hear back at MTV is that with some young millennials, there's a sense of entitlement and they're in their job for six months and asking for, you know, promotion, you know, it's hard work is my advice would be put in the hard work, but go for it, be passionate, bring 
bring ideas to to the table that are your ideas and whatever your environment in. If you if you want to act, start acting, make make videos, become a Vine star. Do you get yourself out there on YouTube? If you want to write, start writing, write a lot of spec scripts, write different kinds of spec scripts. Don't be precious about it. You know, do what you want to do and know that hard work comes with it. All these people that we've talked about today, including Lauren Michaels, are inc- including Oprah Winfrey, are incredibly hard workers. You should see Oprah Winfrey's work ethic. That woman works incredibly hard, and we all know she doesn't have to, and that she could be spending a lot more time at her beautiful home in Maui than she does. She's doing all of these shows, and she does so much um, uh, work to give back, to and, and, and so much work with her school in Africa. It's unbelievable. So I think that would be my advice next up on the best of 2014 industry standard part two of two is one of my favorite people in the business who is now retired his name is gene blythe and he was the executive vice president of casting at abc entertainment television group for over two decades in his unprecedented tenure He was known and universally respected for having served under eight different studio presidents in almost 20 years at the network. With a career that's both impressive in length and impact on the studio, Gene started in show business as a theater actor working on Broadway for two years, eventually switching into theater casting in New York. He quickly gained notoriety for his work eventually being offered to come out to Los Angeles to work at the prestigious Mark Taper Forum. His television casting career took off at MTM Productions, where he supervised casting on the huge hit TV series St. Elsewhere and the debut season of Newhart. Disney tapped Blythe to be one of four executives to head its television department at Touchstone in 1988. And while serving as senior vice president and head of casting for Touchstone, he oversaw all network television projects that were instrumental in the original casting of such monstrous series successes as Home Improvement, Boy Meets Girl, Popular, Unhappily Ever After, and Ellen. He was also the driving force behind the first deals of such talented actors as Tim Allen, Drew Carey, Selma Hayek, Margaret Cho, Sarah Silverman, and Dave Chappelle. Gene Blythe is like the mother, or should I say the father, of all casting directors in television. This guy has such a take. So great. So special. Gene Blythe. If you want to be an actor or an executive, you will be. But what that means is you're willing to put in all the time, put all of the work, wait for as long as you need to, that there's nothing else you can do with your life except to do this one thing. So all you ever are doing during the day is focusing on that one thing. And if you really want it, there's no way you won't get it. As I like to joke, because if you put yourself in the street every day, sooner or later, you'll get hit by a truck. <laughs> so I bet mean, it is all about desire. It's, it's, I mean, talent is a major part, but we see not so talented people make it and they deserve to make it because they really have the work ethic and the desire to make it. Next up on Industry Standards, 2014 Best Of Part 2, 
is a guy that I started with a long time ago in Boston and is now one of the most respected comedian writers in the business. And I'm talking about Greg Fitzsimmons, who is a four-time Emmy Award winner, who's also the host of the Greg Fitzsimmons show on Sirius XM's Howard 101, and twice a week puts out the hugely popular Fitz Dog radio podcast. A regular on Letterman, Conan, Kimmel, Leno, Greg has made more than 50 visits to the Howard Stern show as well. As a writer, he worked several years on the Ellen DeGeneres show, on the first season and only season of Lucky Louie on HBO, and Politically Incorrect. Additionally, he's created and executive produced pilots for VH1, FX, and served as a head writer on the Chelsea Handler show, as well as The Man Show. I know you're going to really, really enjoy what this guy has to say. He always has a fresh take on what it takes to get to the next level, and he's very inspirational. Greg Fitzsimmons. I don't know that I put enough focus on having... Um, I don't know that I had the confidence to really say or the, clar- the clarity to know what I really wanted long-term in my career and then the confidence to have the restraint to not do things that would keep me from getting there. Like I'm half joking when I talk about the porn awards, but I said to Jimmy Kimmel on an interview, I said, what, what does a guy like me need to do to become a guy like you? And he says, don't host things like the porn awards. And you know, I had a lot of fun along the way and I think I just sort of honored my impulses. And when somebody offered me a job, if it was writing, if it was hosting, if it was a talking head show on whatever it was doing, a corporate gig, I just went after all of it. I was hungry and excited. And it, if it seemed like fun, I did it. But I think you have to, and you're a manager, so you know this more than I do. I think you need to have uh, a belief enough in yourself that you put yourself in the four seasons and that, you know, you take the hit financially sometimes to not do things that are going to take you off of a path that could really lead you to a place that you can look back on at the end of your career and say, even if I didn't make it, I really, I played it right. And I, you know, I, but I don't know that I ever had a clear vision of anything but stand up. I mean, stand up is the thing I wanted to do. It's what I continue to do. I'm leaving for Pittsburgh tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I think it's hard because the payoff with becoming a successful standup is that you're away a lot. And that, that has become a burden for me with kids. Um, so I would say if you, if you're a standup that's starting out, realize there's a lot of directions you can go in with it. Try to really get clear on which of those directions is right for you, works for your life. You've got the passion for, and then, um, and then really try to, not do things that are going to distract you from it and are going to make people associate you with like people don't think of me and go, Oh yeah, Greg Fitzsimmons, the writer. Oh yeah. Greg Fitzsimmons. They, they kind of know I do some stuff, but when you're casting something and you're the network executive, that's looking for the next host of the tonight show, my name doesn't come up on that list. And that's the thing that I think I ultimately really wanted was to host a late night talk show. And I haven't had that chance. And, um, 
I don't know if I could have done things in a way that would have led me there if I'd really just said to my agents and managers, I just want to host things. Do stand up host things. I don't know. Um, I don't have regrets, but I do think um, comedians can be a little bit um, desperate. And I think I, I think at times I've been desperate about doing things instead of uh, staying on track. Next up is a guest that was really, really exciting for me to have on. He is a legend and a person who is the absolute most elder statesman I've ever had on the podcast. As a matter of fact, this year he'll turn 94 years old and sitting down with him. He had everything together. He was sharp as a tack and he was just amazing with his, just the way he waxed poetry. He was just amazing the way he talked about the business and the ups and downs and how he was able to take things to the next level. And I'm talking about Monty Hall, who is the creator and host of arguably the most successful game show of our generation. And I'm talking about Let's Make a Deal, which launched 50 years ago and is still going strong today with its new host, Wayne Brady. His list of credits are endless, and he did so many things in his career. Um, as a matter of fact, he appeared as a guest star on shows like Love American Style, The Flip Wilson Show, The Dean Martin Show, and Love Boat. But most importantly, and one of the things that's unspoken, is charitable activities and contributions have brought him over 500 awards and have distributed hundreds of millions of dollars to a multitude of charities across the world. I know you're going to like this person whose star was placed on the prestigious Hollywood Walk of Fame. It was an honor to interview him and to really hear what he had to say, and I know you're going to feel the same way. Monty Hall. And over the years, I've had a lot of kids come to see me I'm trying to get into the business. And a lot of them have been rejected. And I said, first of all, you have to understand that the name of the game in this business is rejection. Rejection is that you live with that in, in television, radio television. I don't know too many people have got an overnight success. It took me 20 years to be an overnight success. The thing is this. Here's the, the, the rule of thumb. If you have talent, hoping that you believe in yourself and you have talent, you have to have the courage, the guts to stick it out through all rejection until that lucky moment comes when somebody recognizes it. But that moment won't come if you haven't got the endurance, if you haven't got the guts to stick it out. Don't take no for an answer. You've got to believe in yourself and stick it out. How many times have I, when I was walking the streets in New York looking for work, the guy would say to me, you'll never make it with a name like Monty. Well, where did that come from? What's that got to do with my talent? But these are the kind of things that would drive you down. No, no, it's no good. I don't like this. You're from Canada. They don't know anything. I mean, you walk. It took me the longest. I have one cute story for you. I finally get an interview with a guy who was the producer of Name That Tune. Yes. He was a band leader. I can name that tune in X amount of notes. 
So he says, you'll come and meet me at my home, in my apartment on Park Avenue. So I go to his home, and he's sitting down, and he's having lunch. And I'm sitting here, and he's having lunch there. He doesn't offer me lunch. <laughs> he's eating soup. Eating soup. He ate his whole darn lunch, and I'm talking. My lunch was always said, thank you for coming. <laughs> I did all the time. He didn't say a word to me. He didn't say goodbye, hello, and that was the end of it. Not only did he not offer me a job, but he didn't even offer me lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean you can get so many different forms of rejection people well, I would go to the, try to get an appointment in New York I think I would make 50 phone calls a week and maybe I get one appointment and then you go to have the appointment the guy would say and, and uh, who's calling I'd say Monty Hall oh you're from Montreal no 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 Monty Hall <laughs> oh okay Marty Marty what is it Marty you, you're nothing you have to you have to survive all those things you've got to survive all those things because the race is not only to the swiftest, it's the one who's got the guts to be the swiftest and lasted out. That's the advice. My next guest is pound for pound one of the funniest people I've ever met. And you would know her as a star on Saturday Night Live for five consecutive seasons and 100 episodes, which saw her do some of the most amazing characters in the history of the show. She's also appeared in several films, including Scary Movie, Inspector Gadget, Liar Liar, Dumb and Dumber, Shrek the Third, Southland Tales, and Grown Ups 2 with Adam Sandler. In 2009, O'Terry became a regular voice in Fox Network's animated comedy series Sit Down, Shut Up, which later moved to Comedy Central. Additionally, Sherry's made multiple guest appearances on TV shows such as Just Shoot Me, in which she was nominated for an Emmy, Strangers with Candy, The New Normal, Hot in Cleveland, and of course, as an emotionally unstable nanny on her memorable role on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I know you will absolutely adore Sherry O'Terry. You know, as I say, when I moved to L.A., it was not to be an actress. Um, it was steps that I took to explore a part of, of myself. And it was really, that's why I'll never forget that woman saying, Sherry, you're funny. You should do the Groundlings. And her name is Susan Lindner. Never forget it. And you know, saying, what is that? I did not know that this existed. And it's like all of those great places, the UCB upright, wait, yeah. Upright city, um, and, uh, second city. And, and I say to anybody who's going, go and see a show. If you relate to the show, then take the classes, you know, in that one particular theater. But I fell in love with that. And that led me to SNL and you know, here's the irony is that like I went my first job in acting besides doing a Circle K Burger commercial and all the time I did, uh, I did uh, the Groundlings and performed and wrote was SNL. So I went from that and, you know, usually people struggle, struggling actress and then they get their big break. I got my big break. And now like I'm a struggling actress. So it's, there's so many different stories of how people get somewhere, but I was lucky to be not, and everybody wants fame, which is such a sad thing. And 
you know, when people ask me about their kid being talented, I said, are they doing plays in school? Uh, well, no, I said, well, they should be doing plays in school, you know, and then you can really know how devoted they are to this. Um, they can sing. Are they singing in school? Uh, no, you know, everybody's passing the time when you should be learning your craft and studying and having respect for the people that came before you learning from them. And I guess I'm, I'm old fashioned in a way, but I just stumbled upon something that I loved and it took me to a place that I'd never dreamed of. So find something you love and, uh, and just keep, you know, and hone your skill, hone it, do it in front of friends, do it in front of people. Um, that's why I love reading biographies because I love, everybody's got a different story of how they came in a different struggle. And it always makes me feel good. Sometimes like if I feel like I'm struggling and I read a book on somebody's life, like I just read wonderful book, Ellen Burstyn's and I, um, you know, everybody has a struggle and a story and, you know, and think of the people, everybody's freaking writing books now, people that don't even read books are writing them. So, you know, you can also now read anybody's book that you admire and, uh, you know, and, and kind of follow, but everybody's path, you know, is going to be different. So really make sure you love it enough. There's a song called, I can't play the blues in an air conditioned room. And I think it was uh, Hank Williams. I might be wrong and I'll find out if I'm wrong, but uh, Hank Williams senior, but, um, and it was about a guy. He goes, I used to play the blues all day. Now I'm just ha- playing golf. I have to hire a mean old woman just to break my heart because all of his life, he just traveled from town to town playing the blues in it, you know, and, and podunk places and, you know, uh, bars and uh, then he becomes famous and everything <laughs> everything sucks in his life <laughs> you know so it's kind of like enjoy the struggle too because when you look back there'll be you know like, like the times that I was in classes at the groundlings oh my god and with Mike Sweeney and and our little barbecues and not having any money and just being creative and writing they were like romantic times you know, and it was the same at SNL, I have to say, writing and laughing. And uh, that was even though it was in a much bigger arena, it was still like there was nothing better than Will and I writing and like a with cheerleader or something like that with Paula Pell. And we would be cracking up at three in the morning, you know, so do the work and. And commit. My next guest on this special edition of Industry Standard Best of 2004, part two of two, is Byron Allen. And Byron is an incredible man. He's a multi-Emmy award-winning 35-year entertainment veteran who began his career as a stand-up comic. At age 14, he got his first break when stand-up comic Jimmy Walker... That's right, Jimmy Walker from Good Times saw his stand-up act and was so impressed that he invited him to join his comedy writing team alongside promising young comedians Jay Leno and David Letterman. By the age of 18, 
Allen made his television debut on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson after originally turning it down a year earlier so he could finish high school and attend USC. And he was still the youngest comedian to have ever performed on the show. He held numerous television hosting jobs from that point on, including Real People, which ran for five years on NBC. Presently, he is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Entertainment Studios, which he started from his dining room table in 1993 with no capital and no investors while working to launch his first television show, The Entertainers, with Byron Allen. Twenty years later, he now oversees a production of original programming, advertising, sales, and distribution for his company, which at any given time airs between 27 to 32 television series on the air, making it the largest independent production distributor of first-run syndicated programming for broadcast TV globally. Some of the shows that you might recognize on television right now are the Emmy Award-winning Cars TV, Emmy-nominated America's Court with Judge Ross, and We the People with Gloria Allred, Comics Unleashed, Comedy TV, the Young Icons and Scripted Shows, First Family, and Mr. Box Office with Tim Meadows, John Lovitz, Vivica Fox, and Bill Bellamy. Byron Allen has done it all, and he has great advice. So let's listen to Byron Allen. Um, you have something uh, today that a lot of people didn't have. You have global distribution uh, the internet and that global distribution is powerful. Now what you have to do is write and create every day and put it up. And guess what? If it's, if it's good, it's going to draw an audience and you just keep writing and producing and putting it up right every day. You know, um, a lot of people don't write every day. Cosby had taught me that Cosby told me I write every day. And I lay down 35 minutes of comedy every year. And then I went back and started listening to his comedy albums. And I was like, oh, my God, uh, you know, why is there air Fat Albert to my brother Russell, whom I slept with? Bill Cosby, a very funny man. All those albums, which were un unbelievably brilliant, they wrote 35 minutes. And he said, I write every day. And the goal is to get 35 minutes laid down. I record it and move on to the next 35 minutes. Right. Stephen Cannell, God bless his soul. He told me the same thing. He writes every day, even when he's on vacation. And I got to know Stephen Cannell because we were to vacation in the same spot for years. And he would rent a room just to go and write for the first half of the day. As a matter of fact, his logo, animated logo card, was a typewriter with a piece of paper coming out of it. And he would sit in a room and write every day. So write, create, shoot. Because at the end of the day, I tell you, the people in this business, they don't know. They really don't know. What you have to do is harvest your talent, let your unbelievably bright light shine to the world and go to you and the internet now gives you that opportunity. You don't have to deal with all of these jokers in LA, New York and Chicago, or mainly LA and New York who don't know they don't, they're guessing. And now what they're doing is they're searching 
because they're saying, oh, my God, this person's got 30 million hits at YouTube or whatever it is. Then all of a sudden it's an easy decision. Get out there. Do what you do. And, you know, and the good news is you got 7 billion people on this planet. And most of them are hooked up. You only need a small fraction of them to appreciate what you do. And guess what? You're a gigantuan business. You don't need everybody to love you. Now, that's the thing I always say, you know, my television shows, people are like, hey, they're on at two, three in the morning. Yes. And guess what? If you manage it correctly, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. That's crazy. But a lot of people don't understand that. You need a fraction. A one rating. What does a one rating means? A one rating means 99% of the audience hasn't seen it. Wow. And a one rating is solid. A three rating, the networks would do a backflip over a three rating. That means 3% penetration. That's what a three rating means. That means 97% said, I don't care. Okay. That's a huge, that is a huge advantage for you. You don't need that many people to even really appreciate you, appreciate your work because it's so big and everybody's so connected. Just be brilliant. Just be yourself. Be yourself. Charles Jaffe taught me that. And uh, he said, uh, I don't like your act. And I said, why? He goes, it's just a collection of jokes. He goes, you're unique. You're special. When you, if I listen to you for a half an hour, I want to know you. He goes, I know you don't think it's something special, but I didn't have your experience. I didn't know what it was like to be born in the sixties and raised in Detroit. And Tell me about you. I'm fascinated by you. Your fingerprint is unique. And so are you. So be yourself, go out there and just be yourself. And that's what Johnny Carson would say to me in the parking lot, pull back, be yourself. It's okay, kid. That was really it. That's what I would say to your, to, to your listeners out there. You know, you have unbelievable opportunity. You'd almost have to work overtime to fail in this environment. Think about what I just said. You would have to go out of your way to fail in this environment. I mean, really, you've got people... And don't just limit it to being a comedian and, and creating, you know, do podcasts, do internet, do web, uh, write, express yourself, you know, get out, do apps because your creativity is your creativity. It's creative energy. Send it in a number of different ways with the internet. You'd have to go back 500 years to come up with an invention to the printing press, the printing press. You'd have to go back to the printing press to come up with an invention that's even close to the internet and what you have as a tool to give you global distribution. You're starting to see it. You, you know, you're starting to see music stars who were unknown sitting in a different country get up on the web and all of a sudden they're a global sensation. You couldn't do that without the internet. You, you have to work overtime not to get it done with the, with the, with this platform and these tools and opportunities and doors that are available to you now. I wish I'd had this back in 1993 at this level. I wish I'd had it, but, uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, look, Rupert Murdoch spent his life pursuing global distribution. 
That's what he's pursued. He's got satellites in South America, Europe, Asia, America. He's got television stations and, and distribution systems on almost all the continents, if not all the continents. He's pursuing global distribution. You have it with Broadman. Create. Make it. Because I'm telling you, you know the audience better than anybody in L.A. and New York, because the problem is they're in L.A. and New York and they fly over the country in private jets and they don't know what's going on in the middle of the country. I was fortunate as a comedian to go on tour and open for Lionel Richie, Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, Whitney Houston, Al Jarreau, Smokey Robinson, Sammy Davis Jr. And they took me all over the country and I got to know the audience. Heading towards the final roundup here. And my next guest is uh, huggable and lovable and wonderful. And one of the most uniquely talented and gifted stand-up comedians and artists that I've ever met in my entire life. And it was a privilege to interview Louis Anderson who is one of the greatest comedians of our generation. Uh, in case you don't know, when Johnny Carson invited Louie to make his national television debut on The Tonight Show in 1984, the rest was history as Carson slapped the desk five times in a row after Louie did a joke about the Fat Olympics. Then he went on to do many appearances on Leno, Letterman, Comic Relief, Showtime, and HBO specials followed, as well as a hosting gig on Comedy Showcase, the late-night series that followed Saturday Night Live for over three years. Louis quickly became a household name, and doors opened for him as an actor as he guest-starred on hit shows like Grace Under Fire, Touched by an Angel, and Chicago Hope while starring in memorable films like Coming to America with Eddie Murphy and the classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But most important to him probably was a show he created about his family life called Life with Louie, which was a Saturday morning animated series based on his own childhood life with his father, which won three Humanitas Prizes for writing on a children's animated series, making him the only three-time recipient of this award. It also earned him a Genesis Award, and most significantly, it garnered two Emmy Awards. As an author, Louis has been amazing and prolific, but probably one of his most special books was his first book entitled Dear Dad, Letters from an Adult Child, a collection of alternatively touching and outrageous letters from Louis to his late father, which really, really will touch your heart. If there was a Hall of Fame for comedians, Louis Anderson would be a unanimous first ballot inductee. I know you're going to love this guy as much as I love him. Louis Anderson. To do what you're doing, the best you can do, and the mountain will come to you. If you are an artist and you're making clay pots, make the clay pots the best until the guy that makes the pl- that used to make the clay pots, till their people say, well, this is the new clay pot maker. If you're a dancer, get the best training in dancing and just dance. You know, if you're an artist, paint your photos. I mean, take your pictures of your photographer, paint your 
artwork. If you're an artist, if you're a comedian, kill it every night, work hard on your act. It's all you have. It's your credentials. It's a passport into show business, your act. Don't take it so lightly. And don't tell me you have an hour of material. I barely have an hour. If, cause just imagine my life depended on it. I think I could put together a solid hour out of my six one hour specials. I think, and I'm talking about jokes that always worked. I'm talking about jokes that every single time worked. Cause don't, don't lie to yourself. You know, don't lie to yourself, work harder and stop. You know, if you're trying, you're lying. You should just be doing it. Stop lying to yourself. You know, and find a good friend like Abraham Geisness. He saved me from, he, he made me a better comic, a better person. And he, and he's a creative guy who makes my side of the creativity even better. Find a person like Barry Katz, find your person who you're good with because comics are one-sided. We're two dimensional, believe it or not. We need the third dimension, find your third dimension and just glorify yourself in it. Well, heading up to the final roundup here with a delightful guest and so wonderful to sit down with him, the legendary manager, George Shapiro, best known as Jerry Seinfeld's manager and the executive producer of the Emmy Award winning show Seinfeld, which did about 278 episodes total. Unbelievable. Uh, He was famous for starting in the William Morris mailroom and working his way up as a packaging agent where he worked on such iconic programs as the Steve Allen Show, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, That Girl, and Gomer Pyle, as well as a number of specials for Dick Van Dyke, Carol Channing, and Mary Tyler Moore. One of the greatest claims to fame about George Shapiro is he was Andy Kaufman's personal manager for many years, executive producing the comedian specials for Showtime and ABC. And he's also known for producing several movies, including Summer Rental with John Candy and Sibling Rivalry with Kirstie Alley. His lineage is long. His years in the business, unprecedented and one of the greatest managerial voices in the world of comedy, George Shapiro. It's Jerry's philosophy, and there's no shortcut. You know, it's work. Like he, he tells young comics, a lot of young comics, you know, complain and they talk and then, and his advice is shut up and work. And I think it means totally dedicate yourself to what you want to do and, and, and not worry about rejection like Jerry rejection is what fuels success. You have to take that rejection and be just be more determined and work your ass off. It's really working your ass off. And, uh, and it's, I've, I've done that. I did it from the beginning at at, at William Morris and uh, people get discouraged. And, uh, that that's the best advice I could give is not, not, not give up and just keep working, keep working, keep working and look ahead and don't look behind that. And uh, Jackie Robinson, his credo was something that stays with me. He said, a life is not worthwhile except in the impact it has in other lives. And that's my story. My final guest today is very fitting 
for this best of 2014 industry standard part two of two. And it's Jay Moore. Well, sort of. Uh, Jay agreed to be my guest for my one year anniversary. And we sort of came up with a unique idea of how to do the podcast that day. And it turned out (laughs) that that risky decision at the end of how we just decided to go in a certain direction and committed to it the entire podcast, we never knew the depths that we would go and how deep we would really push ourselves into our feelings, our emotions, our lives. And it was a podcast that was very, very heartfelt and very, very funny. And it was filled with a ton of wise and sound words from Jay Moore. But there's a little twist to it. And, well, I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't listened to the episode. So without further ado, my final guest today, Jay Moore. And for those of you who don't know Jay Moore, who might be living in an igloo in Alaska, uh, he started his career on Saturday Night Live with Chris Farley and Adam Sandler and Mike Myers and went on to do many blockbuster films like Jerry Maguire and Picture Perfect and Pay It Forward. Uh, Worked with Clint Eastwood in a movie called Hereafter, created Last Comic Standing and hosted it, and is now uh, hosting his own radio program that reaches about 4 million people a day called J. Moore Sports and also has a phenomenal podcast that's been downloaded more than 25 million times that you should definitely check out called More Stories. So without further ado, my final guest today, Jay Moore. This is me doing an impression of me. I've never in my life heard Barry Katz say a single negative thing about another man, woman, child ever in my life. And I think that speaks volumes to the person. And we could have went through all the credits on industry standard that Barry Katz has, but I think people needed to know that you're good inside and you always lead with your heart. And I think one of the reasons you are disliked, because we're all disliked when we get a certain level of respect. Dane Cook is the most successful comic in the world, but guess what? He's also the most hated. As Reggie Jackson once said, fans don't boo nobodies. And he's not a nobody. He's a big, fat somebody. But the thing with Barry that I wanted to say is, I think what separates Barry from the pack and what makes people have such a visceral response to just the name itself, Barry, is that you are and I am one of the few managers. And maybe it's because I went through such tragedy as a child. Maybe it's because I buried a wife. Maybe it's because I watched people die around me. I don't have time for bullshit. And I will look someone in the eye and say, I don't think you're good enough. I don't think you're right for this. Should I be a little more gentle with my feelings? Maybe, but it wouldn't matter because people see things and hear things through a filter that benefit them anyway, or a way they think benefits them. 
So I wanted to have this industry standard with me, Barry Katz. And I wanted to focus more on the man. And I wanted to focus more on the heart and focus more on the kindness because I've never met anyone that has gone out of their way to help other people more ever. And I think that's way more important than a list of credits on an IMDB page. So Barry, thanks for being my guest on my podcast. Thank you, Barry. This has been extraordinary. Undeniable. It's been undeniable and a holy shit moments. <laughs> That's true. You know, there's that old expression. When you walk into a room, the other person on the other side of the wall, you have no idea what they've been through before you open your mouth and walk into that room. And I wanted to get into some of the dirt that we got into because the next time somebody wants to open their mouth and talk shit about me, Barry Katz. Maybe you can listen to this podcast and realize I've been to hell and back, but I still have a positive attitude and I'm out there working my balls off to help other people. And I don't really want anything in, in, uh, as a payback. It's a great life. And as Jay Moore always says to his sons, and I have always loved this life isn't fair, but it's fantastic. Did I want to lose my dad when I was four? No. Did I want to watch my mom die every day because my dad wasn't there? No. Did I want to bury a wife, a bride? No. Did I want every other woman I ever met for the rest of my life know that they're playing for second place because I already put the love of my life into the ground? Of course not. Life is not fair, but it's fantastic. So you just got like lights coming through the blinds, a little ray of light where you can see the dust floating around in your room as a kid. You just got to get those pieces of light and collect enough of them. Put them in your pockets, put them in your socks. Like I used to put dollar bills in your socks as a kid, put them in a drawer. You can always go get them and share them. That's what's most important. This is Industry Standard. I'm Barry Katz. Thank you, Barry Katz. Thank you. I've, I've really, really enjoyed this. As always, I'd like to thank our sponsor at Global Cash Card for free paperless payroll, saving your company thousands of dollars at globalcashcard.com. And as promised, our friends there are giving away $100 to a lucky winner who listens to this podcast from the iTunes comment review industry standard page. I will flick my magic mouse here and we will figure out who's going to win this week. All right. Landing on October 15th, 2014 by Shri woman. A heading says dot, 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 one year later, and I'm still listening. Five stars. This is an essential podcast for anyone looking towards a job in entertainment on either side of the camera. Barry's guests are a veritable who's who of TV development, production, and beyond. Just when I think I've heard my favorite episode, he comes out with another winner. Congrats, Barry. Industry standard is a hat trick. One part history lesson, one part business acumen, and one part psychic healing. <laughs> Thank you, Shri Woman. I appreciate it so much. It means a lot to me. And you are the latest winner of a $100 gift card for globalcashcard.com. When do I get to ask you questions? Uh, well, you can if you want. Um, How do you get people to do this shit? How do, get, <laughs> how, how do you get people to come sit here and 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 have you dissect their psyche and their soul? I mean, 
How do you get people to do this? How did you get me to do this? Is this some kind of mind control that you have? Am I am I going to walk out of here in a trance? I was at the dentist yesterday. They implant something in my head. Was that part of the deal? I thought it was amazing that you were at the dentist yesterday and you were texting me and emailing me like you were like like you physically would come over. I was like, what is he doing? How could he possibly think he well, could come over? I don't tell people, I don't tell people I'm going to do something and then not do it. That's just bullshit. I, I hate that. Well, now you'll tell probably, everybody not to do this now. It it, uh, it it killed me that I couldn't get here yesterday. Uh, but, and, and now I, it killed you that you got here. But I couldn't come. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I look like a fucking hillbilly. I had a tooth gone right here. And I thought, well, it's probably just radio. Because I've never done a podcast before. I know. And I ever, most everybody that I do is their first podcast. Yeah. And after they do mine, it's probably their last. That's a good thing. You do two at once. You're first and you're last. <laughs> no, actually, it's not been painful at all. And I... I'm flattered that you asked me to do it. I mean, all the people in this town you could be talking to instead of me. So I appreciate you bringing me over. Well, I'm honored that you did it. Thank you so much. This was great. It's going to be so inspirational to everybody that listens. And I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. I don't know about that, but no more questions. Well, that wraps up this special episode of the Best of 2014 Industry Standard Part 2 of 2. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. And as I sit in my office now, the sun is blinding my eyes. It's about 8 o'clock in the morning on January 1st, 2015. And I realize I've been working on putting this podcast together all night long. I didn't really get to enjoy the new year or ring it in with my family and friends. And maybe that wasn't the wisest decision in the world. But I tell you something. I really enjoyed myself doing this. I learned a lot. And it makes me feel really special to be able to do something that has reached so many people and that's helped and inspired so many, so many different individuals around the world. So as I wrap up this episode, I want to thank all of you so much for all your support. I truly, truly appreciate it. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Industry Standard. This is Barry Katz signing off. And as always, if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. They say it's the glory I'll scream your name Put you on shoulders Walk you to fame You'll get all the money Drop that fancy car All the people love you Cause you're going for Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same 
Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes, which will be available for download every Monday, or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.